Welcome on in. You're listening to the first iteration of the Neutral Zone by Freeze the Puck Hockey. My name is Jesse. I am also the Rangers admin known as Cridesmere River. And this is uh, Brett. I'm the Panthers admin going, I go by all Barkov, no bite. I love that hashtag, by the way. It is, it is the best. It was, I don't know if it's the best. A lot of people have uh, plenty of good ones, uh, but I just tried to think of something to work with Barkov because that's my guy. Understandable. And speaking of the Florida Panthers, uh, not really looking too good, unfortunately, there, Brett. No, I, w- I had some optimism after that um, game three win. It was the type of game the Panthers want to play. Low scoring, very few penalties called because their special teams are just dreadful, both sides. and Not good. But then when uh, game four was similar, right, it was a very low call. There was only two penalties called all game. It was low scoring, and then we lost that one. So that's not a good sign because those are the type of the games that we've been winning in the postseason. Like those two blowouts, I wasn't I – was, I was worried after the 5-2 and 7-2 loss. But uh, once we were able to play that low scoring game, like, okay, I think we've got this. We got mm-hmm. them figured out. But then losing that low-scoring game there uh, on Saturday, uh, not feeling great about um, our Game 5 chances, considering we are 0-6-1 all-time Vegas. <laughs> that includes do. Ooh, that is not a good stat uh, for the Panthers there. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I've told you a couple times that I'm rooting for them. I do not want to see Vegas hoist the cup this early in their history. Um, I am one of those terrible people who feels that they should uh, know decades of sadness and despair. Uh, As a Rangers fan, I know decades of sadness and despair, and I feel like everyone should be in the same boat as me. Um, Interesting, too, is that the Panthers were the most successful expansion team um, before the Knights. Like they had all like they had like the best first season until the Knights and the Panthers were one of the most uh, they reached the cup. I, I don't think they were the fastest expansion team to reach the cup, but they were one of the fastest because they started in 93, made it in 96, and Vegas just ruined all that. And now it looks like they're going to take the our chance of the cup away. It just makes it even worse. Vegas ruined everything for expansion teams, unfortunately, as um, I'm also a Kraken fan. they Everyone was expecting the Kraken to be Vegas and yada yada, but I don't... Vegas is just... They have such a weird amount of such a weird concoction of players who just came out of their own shell and made a name for themselves on that team and it's it's pretty impressive to see but also i was really i'm still i mean there's still a chance obviously but i'm really hoping that the panthers can come back and in game five and make this a, a series because i would love to see them bring it back to florida uh for game six well, you know, like like I said, they haven't won in Vegas yet. So if they did win in Vegas in Game 5, I think that bodes pretty well. Right. Um, but um, another thing that uh, we found out um, today was that Kachuk um, has an upper body injury. He was not at this. Um, there's definitely been some doubt that he'll even play in Game 5. And 
you know, it's either if Kachuk's not there, it's going to be another blowout in Vegas, or maybe the guys will rally around his injury. But our depth is already like shot. Like the fourth line that skated today in practice was Dalpy Stahl and Denisenko. So in the fourth line for Vegas, has been killing us. So I don't know who any of those people are that you named. Are they AHL players? Eric, Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl is the center. Hopefully, you well, know him obviously, him. I do know him. Yes. No, Dalpy's been a AHL guy. He was actually the captain of the Checkers this year. Um, he scored only one goal so far in the postseason, um, and then we got Denisenko, who's um, he's still he's in his very early twenties. We drafted him the first round a couple years ago. He's been very underutilized this year, but he has not played at all in the playoffs. So if he went to go in Game Five, that would be crazy. But maybe he'll feel like he's had a chip on his shoulder. Maurice hasn't played him. Maybe it'll be his opportunity to break out. I don't know. Lots of stuff could happen. Well, they definitely need those third and fourth lines. Oh yeah, definitely. In order to win, in order to win in in, in Vegas, they're gonna they're gonna struggle. It's gonna be you know obviously they they have a very big hill ahead of them to climb. But I, I I'm I'm usually not an optimist. That's usually not my jam. But I'm optimistic here in hopes that they can at least rally behind that injury for Kachuk and uh, and and show their coach and their fans that there's an opportunity for them to still hoist the cup. Yeah, there's there's always a chance. There's plenty of optimistic Panther fans out there. I, I I keep myself pretty reserved. I have like basically, if you keep your expectations low, you're less likely to be disappointed. And then if they win, they exceeded your expectations. So, <laughs> you and I share similar sentiments. I could assure you. <laughs> right, we had talked about that a little bit earlier this week, or I guess last week, because today's Monday. Today is Monday. Yeah. Damn. This month is is just flying by. Um, and then with that, I mean, there's, you know, the off season that's popping up. Um, we're very close to that. We're already making moves. People are dumb dealing with this extensions that they probably wish they could have done earlier, but they got them done now. Uh, the first one we want to talk about was, uh, call Caulfield's long-term extension. What a, what a payday for him. Just a massive payday for Caulfield in Montreal signed for eight years. Um, he's got a cap hit of uh, 7.85 mil, but his salary is 9.975. I don't understand the science behind that. I'm not going to uh, pretend to understand anything about the cap other than you can't go over this number and that's that. Maybe you have better insight to that. Yeah, so what the total salary is, is so it's the cap hit is not really what they're being paid at each year. Like So Barco's at a 10 million cap hit, but he's being paid 12 million y- this year. But later on his contract, he's only going to be making like eight million or seven million. So it's like front loaded. Um, and the NBA does this a lot actually. But the front load affects the cap hit. So like whatever they're being paid that year is also their cap hit. But with the NHL, their total salary can change. But they're going to take the average of the total contract, and that's going to be your cap hit. Gotcha. That makes that makes a little more sense. Random info for you. <laughs> Which I appreciate. Again, I don't know anything about it. I, I've tried looking at Cap Friendly, and they put it into layman's terms for me, and that's what I appreciate from them. But uh, I, yeah, again, not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about there. But um, yeah, for Caulfield, I think that that's a, I think that that's a great signing by the by the Habs, man. Um, you know, he was drafted. I was going to say, like, it's uh, it could potentially be like a great a great bang for their buck. 
because he's still got plenty of potential. Um, he's only 22. Um, he didn't play a ton this season. He only got 46 games, but in those 46 games, he got his 36 points. And um, so his points per game average has been going up each season. And so it could end up being a steal of a deal. Like he could be end up being like a 10 million plus valuable player, but they're only paying him 7.8 for those eight years. Yeah, and with the some of the recent signings that we have that we've had four forwards uh, and defensemen and just players in general, I, I think that you know I agree with you. I think that that's a really solid deal for for the team um, who's still you know looking to reconstruct. I don't really know who they've got going on in goal. Um, I think that they are st- are they still trying to figure that out? Yeah, they have Jake. Say, I know Montembeau because we traded him to Montreal a couple seasons ago. I can't remember what we got in return. I don't think it was anything exciting though. It doesn't it looks like he was picked up by waivers. Oh, great. We got nothing for him. Perfect. Yeah, so you got nothing for him, which is <laughs> at least, you know, I, I as a Rangers fan, I feel like I uh that happens to us often yeah. too. But um, yeah, he's a he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of next year. Um, currently signed for to a one million dollar deal there, and then Jake Allen is you know going to be thirty three. Um, he's signed you know so for a team that I feel is still rebuilding uh, in the rebuilding stage, I think that that's going to be a great player for them to rally behind. Right, I think you bring up a good point about they still they still need like a goalie. I think what Vegas is doing with Aiden Hill is going to be a rare occurrence. Um, normally, you're not going to have some random guy who hasn't really done much in the NHL lead you all the way to a cup. Um, so they're probably going to need to figure that out. I mean, Montembeau, he's he's 26. There might be still some room to grow there, but not much. I mean, they, they've had this guy, Caden uh, Primo, in their like prospect pool for so long, but he's 23 now. So it's hard to say if he'll actually end up being... Like what they expected him to do a few uh, to be a few years ago because he was supposed to kind of um, lead the way after Carey Price retired, but it's not looking like that's going to be the case anymore. Yeah, he was a seventh round pick a couple years ago, uh, but he he like started playing really great um, in the juniors and all that, so they expected him to be a lot better than a seventh round pick. To try and follow up Carey Price is a is a big ask for anyone, regardless of age or or, or yeah. stature. Um, and I think that he, uh, Primo has just a couple more years left. It looks like on his current contract, it ends in two years. He's currently getting paid 890,000. So, you know, to follow up for somebody like, like Carrie Price, it's going to be a big, a big ask. I think, I think their future big goaltender is probably not on their team currently. That's, that's going to be my guess. (laughs) We've got a few more draft uh, years coming up for them. Um, I'm sure they're going to... I don't know how, how, how much better they'll be next season. I don't think they'll be m- much better, if any better at all. But, you know, they'll definitely have an opportunity to pick up somebody, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, we kind of got talking quite a bit about the Canadians, but another extension we wanted to talk about a little bit was um, Gavrikov um, signing um, his deal in L.A. after he was tr- a trade deadline ac- acquisition for them. But they decided to keep him there long term. They got him for two years. It, it looks long like it was long. Yeah, term. they only they and only signed him for two years. I would expect him to have been a longer term player. But at you know five five point eight mil through the two years, he's got a full no movement clause. Um, I think that he'll be a, a really solid defensive uh, 
player for the Kings. Uh, they're doing far better than I anticipated they would be. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs this season. That was really um, a surprise for me to see. Um, yeah, they nearly um, pushed out Edmonton in the first round, too. They put up a, quite a fight there in the first round. Which would have been funny to see. I not that I not that I have a love or a hatred for Edmonton, just poor Connor, man. <laughs> One stat I thought was interesting about Gavrikov, even though I forgot I got his contract length mixed up. Um, one thing I remember sticking out to me when I was looking him up was in his twenty six games, which includes the playoffs, for the Kings, he got ten points, three goals, and seven assists. And in his 52 games with the Blue Jackets, he got the same exact thing. Three goals, seven assists, ten points. But in a significant amount less games with the Kings. That's that's insane. Uh, I mean, they're keeping, you know, they're keeping uh, a top four D in their lineup at a decent price. Uh, they didn't have to commit to him long term. He's expected to be uh, on that second defensive pairing with Matt Waugh. Uh, and he gets called upon to kill penalties on the second PK. So I think, you know, for the next two years on that second D line... Uh, we'll see where he fits and, and whether he could be extended again later down the road. Well, a reserve signing, like because he came in and did really well for them, but and they made him want to to sign him. But I guess they still want to kind of test the waters a little bit with just the two year contract. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if they end up wanting to keep him longer. I mean, he'll be twenty nine at the end of that contract, so he'll have to really impress that they want to sign him longer once if he's going into his age thirty year. They're another team that's still working on their roster as well. Um, not, I don't think they're as bad as you know some of the other teams that are uh, lower on the on the pole there in standings. But it's kind of weird. They got, like all these prospects currently playing for the team. They got Quentin Byfield, Kaliev, and they had great years, but they still have their veterans in Kopitar and Doughty. Um, and up for up until the trade deadline, they had Quick as their goalie. So they're kind of like in this mix where they're still hanging on to their core guys they've had with their cup runs, but they're also trying to introduce all their new young guys to the roster too. You mentioned Los Angeles King Cup run, and I just get PTSD to 2014. I don't even... uh, The worst. That's the absolute worst. (laughs) I was rooting for the Rangers in that cup final because my my dad's from New York, so we'll root for New York teams if they end up making it that far. Um, So... That was it was disappointing all all around. <laughs> I was rooting for the Rangers to get in there. They still have Kempe on that team too. That's crazy. What a what a solid amount of players that they have uh, on their roster. It's a lot. It's a lot better than I than I thought. No, they 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 had a very, they had a I mean, but a part of that is the surprising um, solid years from like you said, Kempe. I mean, even Deneau, like, um and obviously they got Fiala on that giant de- deal that he lived up to at least for this year because there was no one um no one really would have expected him to quite repeat what he did with minnesota um, but he nearly got there because he got 72 points in 69 games which is pretty good because that's more than a point per game he's like probably is about on the same point per game pace that he was last year he finished with 85 points in 82 so I'd say so far, after I mean, it's just been one year, but so far he's lived up to that contract they gave him. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the West. I mean, I remember, you know, in the early, you know, 2010s, 2011, 2012, trying to get through California was always such a challenge. And it just seems like those teams, Anaheim, LA, uh, San Jose, have fallen off. But I think LA is going to be coming back a, a lot more formidable in these next, uh, in this next couple of seasons. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I've actually got a pretty good transition here for our, our next topic where we're going to try to transition to talking about um, potential trades and trades that have already happened is uh, one thing that's been probably a news for almost a year now is Pierre-Luc Dubois wanting to be off Winnipeg. And it was confirmed by um, Pierre Lebrun that he it will not be resigning with Winnipeg. And he'll be an RFA, so Winnipeg still has a bit of power, but he's, he's not going to sign a contract with Winnipeg. So if Winnipeg wants to keep him, he'd have to sign somewhere else and they'd have to match it. And one team that was um, brought up um, that might be a good fit for him is actually... The Kings, they currently have um, 7.3 mil in cap space, um, and they've got a lot of prospects, like we mentioned, that are on their team that could potentially be used in a move to get a player like Dubois and even sign him long-term if they're able to move out a couple of their bigger contracts for him. Um, and, you know, this is like we've talked about, they're a strong team, and so if uh, if what Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to be on is a strong team that's going to compete on in the playoffs, that might be a good one to go to. I would hate to see Dubois in the in the Pacific Division. Uh, Why is uh, that going to, going up against Seattle? Man, that would just be terrible. Uh, that would be that would be awful to see because I would just I could just with the way that Seattle's goaltending is, I could just see goals upon goals happening. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple other teams though. Like it's I don't I I got a couple ideas that um, have been mentioned around for where Dubois might potentially want to go. One thing that's been brought up a lot is um, Montreal. He's a Quebec native. So a lot of people... That would make sense. Right. But, um, you know, when I was looking at their situation, they actually don't have a lot of cap space right now. Um, Montreal does not have a lot of cap space to sign a guy like Dubois to a big contract, especially long-term. They currently are set at only... 0.725 0.725 million available, so under 1 million available in cap space. Isn't that under league minimum for a salary? Isn't it 750 for league minimum? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, so they wouldn't even be able to get anybody for that. No. So they're going to have to definitely make some moves. And one thing I thought, like, if they, if Pierre Lutabas really wants to go to Montreal and um, Winnipeg wants to try to get this deal done, um, They'd have to like move guys like Dvorak in the deal, or maybe even Hoffman, um, guys like that who are got like over five million in cap space, and they're signed long term too. So they're gonna be like, even though they have this young core growing um, coming up, and they have uh, Suzuki and Caulfield signed long term, they're also dealing with some bad contracts too. Bad so- contracts. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at Gallagher. Gallagher still got one, two, three, four years. Gallagher is the worst one. That he still has four years on his contract at six point five mil. Like he's going to be thirty six when that ca- when that contract is over. It was a horrible contract when they signed it. It's even worse now. <laughs> so um, unless Montreal is able to unload those, I can't see them getting a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, Where do you think he's most likely going to want to go? I mean, he I, I, he doesn't have he has choices. There's a lot of places that could use a player like Dubois. Yeah, so um, another couple teams and uh, people probably wouldn't want him to go to these teams, but it might work is um, in Boston and Colorado. No, <laughs> no. So Boston with- can't have any more. And no. <laughs> Well, here, here's the reason why it might might work, even if people don't want it to happen. Um, with Colorado, their pro- Landeskog is probably going to be on LTIR all, all, all year, so they're going to have space to sign a guy 
maybe not long term because they don't want to not to be able to reactivate Landis Gog at any point, but they'd be able to assign him maybe to fill that kind of role because Pierre Lacroix is a two way player, um, kind of power forwardish, just like Landis Gog. Um, and Colorado obviously were missing a lot of their depth that they had when they made their cup run, like guys like Kadri leaving. So, you know, trying to fill that void with both Landis Gog gone, guys like Kadri not coming back, you know. Pierre-Luc Dubois might be a great fit for them. They still have quite a few assets they could use to get him. Um, or they could potentially just try to sign him and hope Winnipeg won't match it. Colorado has has a lot of cap space. Yeah. They've got 13.35 mil available. They've got a lot of people who contracts ended uh, or, or will end next year. It seemed like the took out to me, though, were Newhook and Comfer. And in them, I don't think they're going to get big contracts. I don't. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that. I mean, Newhook, I don't know. I don't think he really... I don't want to say he did something that would be worth a large contract this season. Um, he was looking at... He did, you know, he played all 82 games in the regular season. 14 goals, 16 assists, 30 points. Not awful, um, obviously. You know, three years with the with the Avalanche. Um, that's gonna, That would be his second full year. I think that he could, he could probably eat up some of that cap space, but it wouldn't be much. Right, no, I, de- I definitely agree. And then with... Uh... Boston, I you know, they had an amazing season, the greatest regular season of all time, statistically, and they got ousted by my cats in the first round. So they could be looking to shake things up majorly to make sure that does not happen again. <laughs> they have a little bit under $5 million, uh in cap space there. Um, they just signed uh, David Poshnok to a long, long, long-term deal at a lot of money. Uh, they, uh, you know, they they definitely have the opportunity to pick up um, somebody like Dubois, and I think that they would be a right. formidable opponent for the Atlantic Division and the Eastern Conference in general. They already are. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, Winnipeg is going to want someone who can give them at least some value back. So you could see them potentially. I mean, Taylor Hall's kind of. I mean, he had a good first round, and but he's kind of been not like the guy there. Obviously, that's Pasternak and Marchand. Um, so they could like might do similar to how we saw the line a deal where you got the two big players going one for one almost with Taylor Hall being the main piece going back. That would be huge. I mean, he's 31, but I mean, he's going to be an immediate impact player for Winnipeg. And that's going to move six million dollars worth of cap space for Boston, which gives them plenty of room for a guy like Dubois. That was my main thought with Boston if they wanted to go after him is they can do look at Taylor Hall as the main piece going back because I mean. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a younger guy, and he's going to potentially bring you the same type of point production you've been seeing from Hall. Because, um, I mean, this last year, during the regular season, he only finished with 36 points in 61 games. I mean, Dubois should be doing way more than that. I, I agree. Taylor Hall does have a no-movement clause. I wonder if... That's right. He's got the modified for this upcoming season. He has a 10-team no-trade list. So, I mean, it seems like... So, what if- those teams might, might well with the out, way actually. things are going in winnipeg for that team there's a lot of people who are looking to, to leave i mean even connor hellebuck's on on the line f- to, to get yeah, out yep. of there um and can you blame any of them um hellebuck's at the end of uh his contract i think he, he has one more year left after yeah, one more year I just pulled it up yeah 6.1 for one more year Yeah, so he's he's gonna be on his way out there's gonna be no one to build that team so i mean poor Poor Winnipeg, man. Yeah, they they had something going, you know, and they had, I mean, 
they were making the playoffs fairly consistently. I mean, they still made the playoffs this year even, um, but they just quite haven't had that chance to really make movement. They've made it to the Western Conference Finals, I believe, once since moving to Winnipeg. And that was, I believe that was the year that the divisions were all mixed up. Like it was just the candidate. Yeah. So um, it's hard to say, like, trying to think about things to get excited about. I mean, you've got Perfetti. Um and Shifley, as far as we, I don't know if Shifley has expressed any. I haven't heard his name, but um, for the most part, you can't think of a lot of things to get excited about with when. And and, I mean, with they, you know, Paul Maurice. I'm sure you know as a Cats fan, he recently left. You know, the team just out of nowhere. I feel like that was that was last year, I believe. It was in the middle of the year. Yeah, uh, they stripped Wheeler of his C. There's just a lot of uh, tribulation. It seems happening up in Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's not good for them because there's already been talks like they're in the middle of nowhere, you know, and not a lot of people want to go there. But they were hoping if they could be successful there, it would change that. But there's obviously going to those talks are going to be brought up because there's already been a team that moved out of Winnipeg, which is now the Coyotes. Um, So, you know, those like movement talks are always going to happen, unfortunately, unless they start. Well, and that's been going on. You know, with a lot of, I mean, you mentioned the Coyotes, the 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 way that the, the, without that, like you said, without that success, it's just, you know, there's always going to be somewhere else for them to go. Right. And I mean, even I think it about, uh, like with my team, the Panthers, like before that President's Trophy uh, season last year, I mean, they, Panthers were always in the talks, like move them to Quebec, get them out of Florida. No one wants to go there. But that's not talked about anymore. They won the President's Trophy, and I mean, they're in the Stanley Cup Final this year. That's just not going to be a conversation anymore, um, unless they go back to being bomb dwellers, of course. It's but crazy now, because <laughs> as someone who grew up as an original six, a fan of an original six team, I never even contemplated the thought of them not being in New York. So it's crazy to hear all of this talk with the Coyotes that, you know, they might not be there in the next coming upcoming seasons. Like that's just nuts to me. You're probably never going to have to worry. Maybe about not, maybe not way. for the Rangers it's, for it's Seattle. Gonna have I hope not. I think, I think the Rangers are going to be there for another uh, 90 years. I don't think any of the original six are ever going anywhere. I, I would be sh- shocked if even people started even like. Talking Hopefully, in about those it. next ninety years, the Rangers will have at least one cup. <laughs> hey, I, I hope so too. I, I wouldn't be upset about that. Um, another, um, we talking about we were talking about uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, who's made it clear he does not want to be in Win- Winnipeg. Another, and this one's maybe a little bit more surprising, is John Gibson. Are you surprised by that? I mean, a little bit. I mean, he's been their guy for like a long time, and you figured he was just kind of like, you know, and there's in Anaheim starting to like their core is young. They've got Zegris, who's in his early 20s, who's going to be their guy going forward. And they have um, the second overall pick this year, which uh, should be Adam Fantilli. And he's likely going to be an immediate impact I player, I think. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, I mean, it should be. I mean, like we, I was saying, there's not a lot to get about excited in Winnipeg. I feel like in Anaheim, there are reasons to be excited. I mean, I don't think they're going to be doing anything crazy immediately, but they've got pieces there. To I be think they have about. another two years before they're making big w- uh, waves in in the playoffs, even making the playoffs. And with somebody like Gibson, who's you know he's been there forever. He's he's 29 years old. He's got. Four more years on his contract. 
Right, that's that's the big thing. That's the surprise. Is the I four can't years really left. blame him, man. With the way that Anaheim performed this year, and I mean, no one was expecting much. But if he wants to win a cup, he's he. I think now is the perfect time for him to find another another home. That's true. Um, one thing that's going to be hard for him, and this is one thing I noticed when looking things up, is that his stats have not been great the last couple years. Um, and maybe he can blame it on his team. But the last time he finished with a sub 2.5 goals against average was in the 2017-18 season. If you look at his numbers since then, they've been 2.84, 3.0, 2.98, 3.19. And then this last season... 3.99 goals against average, nearly four goals. This last season for game. Anaheim was not. Was it their worst season ever? I I think you're right, but but still, I mean, the, even I feel like even with the team in front of you, you still still be able to put up better numbers than what he did because he's got he had a sub point a sub point nine save percentage as well. And I don't know, it just feels like if for someone who's like been thought of like as one of the best goals in the NHL, you just got to put agree. up better numbers he, than he's that. He's definitely been struggling. The Ducks have been struggling. So, you know, I feel like it goes hand in hand with that. Well, that's what he's got a chance on is that you got to hope that you're not going to see the John Gibson who's been playing the last four years on these rough teams, but rather you can see the one who was like dominating, like who is going to steal games for you. That's the, but that's got to change. You got to take, you're going to, you got to hope that's there's the a couple places you could end up. Yes, uh, definitely. And um, a couple of teams that I thought maybe might work, you know, the, the Ooh. New Jersey devils. I mean, they, they're going, Situation is a little complicated right now. Um, they had Akira Schmid come in and play pretty well in the playoffs, but even then, they are still switching. Please don't ever say that forward. name again to me. Schmid, I don't want to hear that name. No, let's not. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> terrible. Absolutely terrible. I'm not trying to Where did he come from? But no, I, yeah, you're right. I think I read that they weren't going to be qualifying Blackwood, I think I saw. Right, I mean his contract is up, so he and he was not impressive this past year. I mean that's part of why um, the the <laughs> goalie who shall not be named um, was brought up as Blackwood was not playing up to where they expected him to. I mean they still have Vanacek, but he was signed short term, and he he had um, parts of this year where he looked pretty good, but for the most part still was fairly inconsistent. So they definitely are looking. New for Jersey has a scary team. The Devils are going are already frightening so if they could just sew up those holes that are in net uh, you know get keep get maybe a vanishek and uh gibson tandem that would be scary man oh it would be for sure um, another team that is brought up a little bit even by some of our other admins here is the penguins because with um them they had they've had tristan jerry be their guy for a long time but his contract is up, and then they've got Casey DeSmith, who's been their reliable backup. He's only got one year left on his contract, so they could look to get a guy like John Gibson, and you know they kind of would fit their mold, I would think, because the Penguins are still—they're not a young team still. So getting a guy like Gibson, he definitely wouldn't feel like out of place. It would be—it would be interesting, and you know Pittsburgh wasn't too far away from making it into the playoffs this season. They were just one point behind the Panthers. And they're in the Stanley Cup Finals, so the Pittsburgh's got to feel like if they can just do enough to get two more points, you know, they could end up making one last run with uh, Crosby and Malkin. And you, Gibson, I can see him being a guy who... The Penguins have struggled for a few years in net, I feel. It, it seems like ever since Murray won those Stanley Cups with them, 
it just I don't want to say downhill. I don't feel like it's been downhill, but Jari and DeSmith just have not performed well for them. So Gibson, I think, would be a nice spot. No, I, I agree. I think they, they've, they've done good enough to kind of have them stick around and not, like, look other places. But I think at this point, with, like I said, Jerry's contract is up, it might be time to look for other solutions. Another team I thought of is, uh, I was thinking about Detroit, Ooh. you know. Uh, but, you know, it would be kind of weird because it's not a place John Gibson might want to go to because it seems like the reason we want out of Anaheim is because there's not been a lot of success. But, you know, Detroit's still got um, a lot of young pieces that have been playing well. Um, and they're, they might be only a few solid pieces away from being a playoff team. It'll be tough. They'd probably be only like an eight or seven seed. Um, but their goalie situation right now is kind of confusing, which is why I thought about them. They currently only have one goalie signed to a contract, Vili Husso. That's it. They got no one else because um, Alex Nedeljkovic, he does not currently have a contract. So they'd have to re-sign him. So the fact that they have like no goalies currently in their system, like not even the minors, like that's how bad it is. So they need to think of someone and they've got plenty of assets that they could give Anaheim that they'd be interested in because Anaheim's still going to be in rebuild mode. So they're going to be willing to take picks that are going to be higher up and take prospects. So that's why I thought Detroit might work. John Gibson might not want to go there. But if he wants out of Anaheim at all costs, I I think Detroit would be a pretty good place. I think Detroit has a better opportunity to make the playoffs in the next year than... I don't want to say I don't I don't want to say Pittsburgh doesn't, but I think out of all the other teams that you named, I think that Detroit would could be a good option for him. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I just I just thinking like most recently, you know, they're one of the teams surprisingly that has not made the playoffs like i think they were like they haven't made the it's been a while (laughs) but you know they had that that crazy streak where there was like the longest playoff streak in professional sports history and now they haven't made it for several seasons so you know they've kind of got that like oh i don't know if i'll be successful there but i i think like as you mentioned there's still things to be excited about there and they're not too far away from uh making the playoffs oh for sure with Players like Lucas Raymond, you know, Alex Chase on. I think they just picked him up recently uh, from them. Ben Sherratt, um, Moritz Sider. They've definitely got people who are going to be performing well in the future. I forgot. I forgot they picked up Helberg off off waivers from Seattle. The I think I that forgot about that too. Man, oh yeah. So so yeah, you're right though. But they only have that one goaltender signed. Um, I that would be a good spot. Um, yeah, with, with that though, I was thinking I had a a couple spots that he could probably land. You know, I think the senators could, could be somewhere that he can go. I know that they're still struggling to find a place in, in the playoffs, in the postseason um, as it is, but out of anybody that's in the Eastern conference that has a chance, I think the senators are going to be one of the most formidable teams in the Eastern conference next year. With that, Cam Talbot is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, Anton Forsberg might need some assistance in net after he had that nasty injury this season. But I don't know if they want to rely on, you know, two aging goaltenders um, when they could potentially shop for other goalies available in the market. Yeah, but and they and I think you're right that they do have a you know even we people thought even this past season they would be a really strong team because they signed Claude Giroux that was a big deal. Um, they signed him immediately as soon as free agency opened up. <laughs> that was the first signing of free agency, and and they've made some other moves. I mean, they had to bring Kit, which um, there's been talks that he doesn't, he's not gonna be back in there. Mm-hmm. But we're expecting Ottawa to make noise even this year. Um, and even if they lose to Brinkett, um, 
I think they still have plenty of pieces that, you know, will be able to help them lead that way. And if they were able to get a guy like Gibson, um, that might that might help um, further that process along. They've got a lot of cap space. Um, at pro, uh, they got projected seventeen million dollars in cap space. Like you mentioned, there are some players who are uh, you know RFAs. Their contracts are up this year. I don't really think any of them looking at this list is are are somebody that they're going to want to resign. Like I think what like I mentioned, the Brinkett would be the one guy, but it's not. He's not. It sounds like he's not going to want to resign there. Where do you think he ends up? Well, I mean, it's, it would be kind of funny if he went back to Chicago. And, you know, they're definitely going to get Connor Bedard. There's no question about that. Um, and that's a guy who I think, even he's going to be 18, that's a guy you're going to want to play with. I mean, he's, clothed, he's shown that he rather um, have his teammates celebrate rather than himself when he won that um, uh, Junior World Cup Championship with Canada. He didn't want to talk about himself at all. He said, "I just want to talk about um, how great our team was and talk about our teammates." And so that's that's the type of guy that you might want to play with, um, knowing that's. I mean, like I said, there's there's no doubt that's where but uh, who the Blackhawks are going to pick. So I can see Debrinket wanting to go back to Chicago, um, and then kind of have that one-two punch there on potentially their first line. That would be scary. That would immediately boost Chicago with that one-two Debrinket. And Bedard, yeah, that would be insane. Yeah, I can't. I, unfortunately, that's the only team that really comes to mind for me immediately. I think if I thought more about it, maybe I could think of other teams. But Chicago's who co- comes to mind first. I don't even want to think about that. Another uh, Chicago. Chicago's had so many good cup runs. They uh, just let them be bad, just so I, just so the Rangers have a chance, man. Come on. You got you got one year of badness from Chicago. That's it. That's, really- <laughs> that's all I deserve. <laughs> um, I think another team that you uh, wanted to uh, talk about some potentially going is uh, to your guys in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I, I Martin Jones, you know, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, and and you know, I I thought Martin Jones played well, but his stats were really bad for you know for a team that in Seattle that made the playoffs. Martin Jones was at you know point eight eight six save percentage, two point nine nine goals against oh. average. I remember he. I think he was in net for that game against the Kings, where it was like nine eight or something like that. And I know that you know Grubauer was injured in the early uh, the early runnings of this season. He didn't play a few of those games. I think he performed incredibly well in the playoffs. So it would it it would probably be you know it it would just go back to another whose net is it? And I feel like the Kraken have had that throughout their their short history. It's always been well, is it going to be Grubauer? Is it going to be Decord? Or is it going to be Grubauer? Is it going to be Jones? Who's it going to be? If they picked up somebody like Gibson, it would just be another one of those conversations. So I think that a good play that could be a good place for him in Seattle, but I know that they're they're relying heavily on Grubauer. So maybe we'll we'll see there. You definitely have to be. It would have to be a situation where both goalies are open to playing that fifty uh, fifty type of season. And I don't I don't know if a lot of goalies want to do that. I know that was a major issue here in Florida, and I I honestly think that's part of what messed up Spencer Knight is not really knowing where his place in the organization was. Because, you know, he's he, you've got Bobrovsky, who when we signed him, he was a two-time Vesna winner. And he just wasn't playing up to where expectations were. So we started playing Knight a bit more, and Knight was winning. So then Knight probably got all this confidence, like, oh, it might be my time to take over the net. But then he was still playing 50-50 with Bob, regardless of who was playing well. 
And so with all that back and forth stuff, I mean, Knight's a little bit younger, a lot younger right. than um, Gibson and Grubauer. But I know for, I'm sure for goalies, it's probably hard to not know if you're the starter or the backup. I can only imagine what, what those guys go through. You know, after watching that three goalie tandem that for the season that the Rangers did it, where it was Georgiev, Lundqvist, Shesterkin, that was rough to watch, man, because there was always somebody who you were expecting to be on the bench, wasn't on the bench. You didn't know who was going to be showing up, who was going to be going into net. It was, it, it's just not something that I think as, as if I were playing, I would want to deal with. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and one other team um, that we wanted to mention maybe that Gibson might be interested in going to is a team we've already talked about quite a bit here is uh, the Kings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with the, with the, the move that they made in net this season, uh, where they picked up Corpusalo, that was nuts. I would, no, I don't think any of us, I, I even uh, Jonathan Quick, I don't even think he was expecting it. So nope, nobody, <laughs> nobody. So with him going to Columbus, uh, Corpusalo going back the other way, Corpusalo becomes an, an unrestricted free agent th- this season. Uh, with the Kings making the playoffs last season, one of their detriments I felt uh, was in net. And I think Gibson could help pump some air in the flat tires uh, that now surround the LA Kings uh, in goal. Uh, they have the cap space to do it, as you mentioned earlier. Um, they do need to re-sign Gabe Velarde. I think that that would take precedence over anything. But if Anaheim could take maybe you know a, a hit on Gibson's contract, perhaps uh, the Kings might be a, a spot for him. Yeah, and you know, and he's already there in LA, right? So he's right he doesn't there. Doesn't have to move or anything. You know, I don't think he'd be too upset with that. And um, obviously. It's- it's just the other side of Disney World, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I think I don't think Gibson would be too upset because I mean the Kings are just um, right now they are the more successful team than Anaheim, and it seems like that's the issue that John Gibson has. That would be that they would the Kings would be a force again. Um, I don't think they would be as much of a force as they were, you know, in 2012, 2014. But it, they would definitely be making a name for themselves if they were able to to patch up uh, the pothole that's in net and 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 sign oh, somebody yeah, who definitely. could be a solid player for them. And uh, we've been talking a lot about potential trades, like what could happen. But there was one big trade that actually did go down, and that was um, a three-way trade that sent um, Provorov from the Flyers to Columbus. And it, it's a bit of a crazy trade. A lot happened in it, and some of it doesn't make sense. Um, so I'm going to kind of like go through each piece of it here. Um, so the only thing going to Columbus is Ivan Provorov. So that's all they're getting. And what Columbus had to send back to get him. It was a lot. It was a lot. It looks That's like what's kind of uh, weird is Columbus didn't give up that much. That's why I'm trying to find it. It's it's kind of weird. It's um that's what's gonna get we're feels like we're this is the the Kings podcast right now because I'm gonna bring up the Kings again. <laughs> is the Kings were the third part of this deal and they had to pump a lot of the value for Provorov into this trade. Um uh Kevin Connaughton who's from the Flyers. He's a 30-year-old D-man who's mostly been a seventh defenseman, and um, he mostly played for the AHL team last year. And they also get Hayden Hodgkin, also from the Flyers. He's a 27-year-old undrafted right-winger who played for the AHL the last two years. He's only been called up for seven games for the Flyers. And so that's all the Kings are getting. And here's what they're giving up. 
They give up Cal Peterson, who's a, who's a 28-year goalie, but he's been playing a lot of times, but he's still an NHL-level player. They're giving up their second-round pick. The Kings are giving up their second-round pick in 2024, and they're also giving up Sean Walker, who's a 28-year-old defenseman. Who's So he's a little bit older, but he's an NHL-level player. He's played five straight seasons for the Kings. He's put up solid numbers, and that's still not it. That's still not what the Kings have given up. They also gave up Helgi Grands who, I mean, that's not a common name, but he's a 20-year-old Swedish defenseman. They selected him 35th overall in 2020. Um, He's a two-way fender. He's got good upside. He even played 59 games with the Kings AHL affiliate. So that's what the Kings are giving up for two AHL players. And they're also retaining Provorov's salary. It, It makes no sense for the Kings to do this. It's basically like they're just giving value that the Columbus couldn't get because all Columbus gave up is the 22nd overall pick, which funny enough, it was originally owned by the Kings, uh, but it, the Columbus had it in the Gavrikov trade. And the only other thing Columbus is giving up is a second round pick in either 2024 20, and 2025. 20, so Columbus gives up two picks. They get Ivan Provorov. And while I feel the, like <laughs> it makes no sense. I feel like LA got I feel like LA got fleeced. Don't, don't, wouldn't you agree? I don't know why they were involved with it at all. Like it's like the Flyers feel like they didn't get enough value. This is this is my take on it is that the Flyers didn't feel like they were getting enough value for Provorov from Columbus cuz like I said all Columbus sent is two picks and the Flyers like, "You know what? That's not enough." And they found a team that was dumb enough to give them all these other pieces. And all they had to give up was two guys who mostly played in the AHL. And they're both older. They got a 33-year-old defenseman, Kanaan, and 27, Hayden Hodgson. It makes no sense And for they LA. retain 30% of that salary. That's nuts. Why would anyone do that? It's horrible. It was brought, It was one of the, when the, the tweet was made about this trade, one of the first like comments is like, why is LA doing this? <laughs> makes no sense at all for them um but the the two people the two teams that does make sense for and it's great for them is the other two guys because columbus is getting ivan provorov who's gonna be um at i mean he's a top two level defenseman he might play top four because he's the same handedness as zacharinsky and zacharinsky has been columbus's top d man other than last year because he was injured um, so you might see Profrov be more of a top four guy, but he's at the level of a top two guy. And then they have their two right-handed guys who are going to play with them with Erica Branson, Andrew Peake. So their defense is solid. So, and they all they had to do for that was give up two picks. And then with the Flyers, they had to give up one of their top guys, their top defensemen. Um, I believe he led all Flyers defensemen ice time. And they get this massive haul. They get... Um, I believe it's three draft picks and even um, a, a prospect from from L.A. And they get um, two NHL-level players with Cal Peterson and Sean Walker. So, I mean, for the Flyers in Columbus, I think they both win this trade, and L.A. are just massive losers. L.A. is walking trade. around like with their head down. Why did they even contemplate that? That's insane. I feel with that trade and with a couple of the other moves that the Blue Jackets have, have made, they got sneaky good. They made they made one other move, right? That um, they, they yeah, they picked Severson, up uh, right? Damon Severson from uh, I think was New Jersey, right? I believe so. And that's another defenseman, isn't? It? Oh my! 
like I think their top four is is going to be those guys that I mentioned. But maybe maybe uh, Severson sneaks in there. But even even if he doesn't, now you've got just the overall great defensive core all the way from your top two to your top six. And their blue line, uh, looking at cap friendly for at least the next two years, it's going to be those guys, uh, unless you know, barring any sort of injury or trade. Yeah, it's not even going to be just this year, like you just said. It's going to be something that they're going to be able to stick to. These guys are going to be able to build around. Um, you know, Columbus is one of those teams where it's like, you know, because they've had so little success and they're in not one of the big cities, um, they're not going to get a lot of um, recognition, but they have things to be excited about. Um, Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau was able, chose to sign there out of anyone else. He chose to sign in Columbus. And you know they got they got line A obviously they have a couple other guys who are <laughs> they have some good young centers that they, they're still building around with Cole Sillinger and Jack Rosalvich and now their defense looks stacked honestly it's like I, I would love to have that defensive core that they have right there I mean our the Panthers defensive core was very surprising but at the beginning of the year they looked terrible um, but <laughs> anyways the, the, like when I look at what they what they've got I mean this this is a team that could end up if if they can stay healthy. They could definitely um, make more noise than people are expecting, I would think. And Merzlikens has been a, a solid goaltender for them. Now with um, with Corpusalo gone, um, he's probably going to be their number one. I mean, obviously this last season he didn't perform well. He played 30 games, 4.23 uh, goals against average, 0.876 save percentage, but... You know, 2021 and 22, uh, he, you know, he, he performed pretty well. He was above uh, 0.9 save percentage, 3.22 goals against average. He's going to be their guy. So with them having a solid blue line like that and, and all of these players to build around, they're going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with in this, in this conference. I think you bring up a good point about that, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is I think they've made it clear Merce Lincoln's going to be their starter. But he's not going to be a top NHL goalie. Um, so they're going to build their defense as strong as they can to help him. Because they're like, Elvis, you're our guy. And we're going to give you some help. Yeah, they have another goalie signed in uh, Daniil Tarasov. I don't, I'm not too familiar with this gentleman. Um, it looks like he played, he played last year. Um, only 17 games, if you see that. He did. Eh. Yeah, not not too not too overwhelmingly positive. So to have a solid blue line picking up Severson, picking up Provorov, lockdown on that blue line. Right. And I think that's probably why, you know, kind of looking at the big perspective now is that's probably why they did these moves is cuz they know their goaltending situation is not ideal, but they're committed. They're committed to him and they're going to they've gone out and tried to do all they can to help improve those numbers. I would be interested to see where Columbus lands next season um, in the standings. Hopefully they can get Johnny Hockey going. I don't think he did too well this last season, if I remember correctly. Um, he did not perform as well as he did um, a season ago in Calgary. For sure, yeah. Not even Yeah, less than half the amount of goals that he had in Calgary the, the year prior. Twenty goal, 21 goals, 53 assists, 74 points in 80 games played. So if they can get him going... And 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 get this this blue line lockdown as they have. They're going to be a good team. Yeah, you know, in uh, seventy four points in eighty games is pretty good for most players. But you know, they want more out of Johnny Gaudreau than that. They want to see that one hundred and fifteen point guy that they had they had coming from Calgary. Well, with nine point seven five mil paid uh, to him every year, I I would expect that more from him as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and that's that's part of um, 
we like it's talking about uh, a little bit going to get into talking about how Matthew Kachuk did this year. Um, you know, there was a lot of talks before the season started that they were thinking uh, Kachuk was just carried by Gaudreau. You know, like that's why he was able to put up 104 points. It was all because he was playing online with Gaudreau. And now we look at the results of this past season is Kachuk put up even more points than he did playing second line minutes. <laughs> And then Gaudreau is in, in so like I said, 74 points in 80 games isn't bad, but when you compare it to what Kachuk did, it just feels like, wow, like, was it the other way around? Where the, it's crazy. That is, that is an interesting take on it. I'm, I'm looking at the stats now, 40 goals for Kachuk, 69 assists, 109 points. I, I, you could say that the teams are two completely different teams. Um, in terms of their in in terms of their roster makeup, yeah, you could you can you can definitely say that. But I mean, like you mentioned, with with a player like Goudreau, who's making as much money as he is, who's who's seeming like seemingly proven himself, you want more out of him if you're Columbus, right? But I think with the things that we mentioned, I think I think it's looking pretty good for them. Yeah, um, and there's not much we could more we could talk more about the. The trade, you know, the Flyers, they picked up all those pieces, um, but most of that's going to have to, and I mean, a lot of that, they're going to have to see how it turns out, because most of it's picks. They have a, a guy from LA, from Helgi Grands, no idea how that guy's going to turn out. But I think for right now, it looks like the Flyers did a pretty good job on their return for Provorov. I would agree, and they're still looking to, quote-unquote, retool, uh, you know, with Keith Jones coming in as, as president of hockey operations. I know John Tortorella, um, he's very very spicy man um has said that you know that the team's not good uh just straight up so i know that they're going to be trying to look for other ways to get this roster rebuilt um they're talking about trading carter hart that would be weird i don't even i don't even know where to begin with with that where do you where would he go well, I, I don't I, I, honestly, if they did that, it would be a super dumb move on their part. I know they in part of that trade, one of the things they got was Cal Pearson, but Cal Pearson, he's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be um, the guy who's going to be. I don't think you can trust on him being a number one guy. Um, they should keep Carter Hart. He's only got one year left on his contract, um, but he's still an RFA after that. I'd say keep him like I, I don't think there'd be any reason to trade Carter Hart at this point. Um, it's it would seem like it would be just making a trade for the sake of making a trade. I've got a soft spot for Carter Hart. I watched him play in Everett in the WHL, so I want nothing but success for him. Um, so and if that and if that is unfortunately in Philadelphia, then so be it. I just want him to to. I want to see him win a cup at some point. That would be awesome. I know you talked about like the um, Seattle like not having uh, a great goaltending situation. It'd be really interesting to see if he ends up there. I know that would get you super excited. Then I would probably cry. I would go out immediately and get a, a Carter Hart Seattle Kraken jersey because I missed my opportunity to get one when he was in Everett. So that would be that would be sick. <laughs> right, and I think even with Carter Hart, you know, it might be good for him to kind of be in a a goaltending tandem right now because he's been like you know they. Philadelphia's kind of tried to make him like a 50, 50 game guy, and it might be better for him to be more of a 40, um, maybe probably 40 game guy. I, I they, they, they rushed him, I feel. And I feel, I, I understand at the moment in time when they put him into their roster, they didn't really have much of a choice. If I, I mean, that was a few years ago. They, it was really only him. Uh, in their in their system, I know he played for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms in the AHL for a little bit, but th- they I don't think they took enough time to develop him. 
He was a great goalie in the WHL. He he had some really amazing accolades. But the NHL is a completely different beast, as we all know. So to force him right. to go from the, the WHL into the AHL for, I think it was just a couple months. I don't even think it was a full season to put him as their starter. Yeah, he only played um, in that first season that you're mentioning. He only played 18 games with the Phantoms. And even then, his, his numbers are, are not great in the AHL for those 18 games. He had over three goals against a 902. So like pretty pedestrian. Um, actually, if you look at a, I know I'm looking at his stats now. He was a 50 game. Yeah, he played his 55 numbers are better. last year, finished with under three goals against with 2.94 and a .907. I mean, those aren't superstar numbers, but those are solid starter numbers for a 55 game. Well, for a team like the Flyers, who has been so subpar for the last couple of years, I mean, let's not even look at that 2020-21 uh, season where I remember him breaking his hockey stick against the net. Um, but for, you know, for, for, for a team like the Flyers, who have been subpar in over the last few years those are great numbers for him oh yeah i think so too i think but again like i think that's why philly's got to keep him that would i think it'd be an insane or to to try to deal him i think you'd be able to get a pretty good return but i think it'd be better worth to just keep him on the team you've got him you got him um one more year then he's still an rfa so even if he brings up issues not wanting to resign there you could still match whatever contract he goes out and signs i i I don't think it'd be a good idea to trade him at this point. I agree. That would be detrimental to 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 what they're trying to do in Philadelphia. Yeah. So um, the last thing we kind of wanted to talk about um, here was uh, the New York Rangers. Um, their search for a coaching hunt. They just fired Gerard Gallant after that first round exit, and there's been some recent updates with that too. There has been, and um, I'm going to go on the record and say that I don't think Gallant should have been fired. I. I don't really think it was fully his or fault that the Rangers were knocked out in the first round. He was scapegoat for them, 100%. I totally agree. He, but I mean, that just seems like the way of of Gallant, you know, play one or uh, coach for the team one or two seasons and then just get ousted really fast for. I don't want to say it's no reason, you know. Obviously, there's fault to go around, but um, I, I think that it was it was a little bit too early. Um, especially coming off of uh, the way David Quinn had performed with the team. He was only there for two years, if I remember correctly. Um, I just think it was a bad move. Just just my opinion. It seems like every time he gets fired, it's a bad move. I mean, I, I, I still remember that horrible night that I see the headlines that Gallant has been just fired from the team and the team didn't even let him like it was on the road in Carolina and they made him take a cab like <laughs> was this for was this when he so was in Florida terrible. it was in Florida that's terrible he took the team to to um a first place um division finish in uh 2016 and this uh, the Florida at that time that was only the second time they made the playoffs since the 90s and so he he had brought a lot of success to a team that hadn't seen it and all of a sudden, they just started, like, th- throw him aside. And then even with Vegas, I mean, he was the coach when they made um, the the, ca- the, the standard right. championship the first year. And then he only saw um, two more years before they canned him. And now with New York, they had two awesome seasons with him. And now he's gone. I'm very, I'm very upset about that. I think I thought that maybe another season was in the cards for him. And apparently, the powers that be uh, in New York had 
other things in mind. I wanted to mention, um, we're definitely going to talk more about the potential um, guys who might fill that um, role. Um, but that's kind of like the the monster of the playoffs and the decisions that management makes. Um, one thing I thought about a lot about is how Florida finished one point below Calgary, but Florida made the playoffs. Calgary did not. And you're seeing Florida's death. They're definitely going to keep Maurice. He's going to be their guy. Um, you're going to um, see those job is not going to be in question at all. And then you see Calgary, who finished with a statistically better season, not make the playoffs. They fire their GM. They fire their coach. It's all going to be this massive overall in the offseason. And that's just kind of like the monster of the postseason in the NHL. It's like it doesn't matter at all your success in the regular season. All It's all about what is your team going to do in the postseason. That seems to affect which coaches stay and which ones don't. Which I understand for sure. I mean, obviously you want to have success in the postseason, but... Uh... The Rangers have seen, I think I had mentioned over the last seven seasons, they've seen three coaches. Don't quote me on that. That could be wrong. But I know that the number is is, is kind of up there. They went Bignol and then David Quinn and then Gerard Gallant all within like five or, uh, five or six seasons. And that's a, that's a lot of coaches. That's a lot of different system changes. That's a lot of different, you know, ways to play. For a team like the Rangers, who has been pretty much consistent in their roster, so to now, you know, shuffle up, shuffling up lines. One thing that Gallant did throughout this last uh, season was, you know, he was shuffling up the line so much, and then in the playoffs, it seemed like he didn't want to even make any sort of changes that could have benefited them. Um, so that's one fault of his. But you know, I think I think that whoever the Rangers go for has to figure out a way to get players like Lafreniere, should he be staying with them, like uh, Capo Caco, like Philip Hedel. They got to find a way to get a fire under them. Um, I don't know if that's by increasing their minutes, breaking up that kid line, um, putting those players somewhere else or whatnot. But there's definitely got to be a way to get, you know, that roster fired up in the postseason. Like yeah, like you said, like whoever's gonna take over this position, he's gonna have a great team in front of him. There's there's just so many great pieces to get excited about. I mean, I mean the trade acquisitions. I'm I don't think they might stick around, especially Kane. I can't see him staying in. I don't. I don't want him to. Quite frankly, I mean, I I hope he doesn't. I I, I would I would rather have Tarasenko. I thought performed significantly better. And granted, you know, it it, it came out that Kane had um has that hip resurfacing surgery that he's doing um, throughout this offseason. Um, but I, I just, I didn't want Kane in the first place. I thought it was too much. It was too too many big changes in too short of an amount of time for them to to gel properly. And you saw that in in that postseason, in, in that first round. You know, they played well those first two games. Those second two games, New Jersey came back. Um, and then that game seven was just abysmal. I don't even want to like think about that. Yeah, and it, like you said, like it seemed like it was unnecessary. It felt like the the news came out that Kane pretty much only was going to go to New York. So then the Rangers like, well, we gotta we gotta make this work. We're gonna have to do it because Kane wants to come to us. And so it feels like they kind of forced it. They didn't have to give up too much to get him, which was kind of surprising. They didn't did not really give up too much to bring Patrick Kane over. But but still, like you said, it kind of me- mix, messed up the chemistry the team had been building, you know, and you already brought in one star with Tarasenko. So I think, like, and the results kind of speak for, like, what they're going to want to do. So I'd, 
I don't think Kane's going back there. But even without that, what I was mainly trying to say is that, you know, that there's a great team for whoever is going to coach the Rangers in front. There, he, there's not going to be a lot of changes that need to be made here. And there's a lot of speculation as to who that next coach is going to be. Um, you know, with, with Glantz's unfortunate and untimely departure, there's, there's a lot of people that are uh, on the front running for the Rangers head coaching position. Um, Elliot Friedman came out today and tweeted that it seems like it's a done deal that it's going to be Peter Laviolette, um, which I'm kind of hoping, hoping for. Um, I loved him in Nashville. I loved him in Washington. Um, he's the only Stanley Cup winning coach on the list. Um, but, uh, I, I would prefer it to be him. There's other speculation last week that it was going to be John Hines of the Nashville Predators. Um, um, the list is Peter Laviolette. Uh, as I mentioned, John Hines, formerly of Nashville, um, him and Drury have a really great relationship, um, from their playing days at Boston university. I just don't, I, I didn't like Hines in Nashville. Um, Nashville's my third, my third team. They're you know, before Seattle, they were my Western Conference team. I watch a lot of their games. I did not like the way John Hines coached um, the the Predators. So last week there was a lot of talk that it was going to be Hines. This week there's a lot of talk that it's going to be Laviolette. Um, I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be Laviolette. I I wanted it to be Chris Knobloch, who is the uh, coach of the Wolf Pack. He doesn't have any any NHL experience. Uh, he did stand in for David Quinn and Gerard Gallant uh, while they had COVID. And I, I remember watching that game uh, where he stood in for David Quinn. I thought that he performed really well. I, they won that game from what I remember. Um, so I, I kind of wanted it to be him. I think that he's got really great success with the Wolfpack. But if it's not going to be him, then I want it to be Laviolette. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, you make a lot of points. Like Laviolette, he's got tons of success on his resume um overall he's just been able he's been able to be a successful coach it seems like for most teams that he's been the coach for um out of all the options here that we've mentioned uh, i mean i don't i'm not going to know a lot about uh chris nabalock um but i agree that john hines would seem like a a bad fit um for a new york team um i think with laviette coming in you're he's he's gonna have a team that is already gonna be really strong and he might be just enough to push him forward to hopefully uh get that to that next level in the stanley cup playoffs and uh even with chris knobloch yeah you know with not having a lot of experience hasn't um, I mean, if we've seen uh, last year with the Panthers when they won um, the President's Trophy. But anyway, so Andrew Burnett, he had no coaching experience. He comes in after that whole um, horrible thing came out with Chicago. He comes in and brings Florida to their greatest regular season of all time by far. Like, it's not even close um, how much they broke all the, the records there. Then he goes to New Jersey to be an assistant coach. Um, there and you see New Jersey. I mean, he wasn't the head coach, but still, you see New Jersey have this crazy exceeding expectation season, and so it seems like I, I don't think you know not having NHL experience might not necessarily me be a bad thing. And and I absolutely agree with that. One of the things I was going to say is I don't really like the way that this coaching carousel has gone um, over the last couple seasons of. Coaches who haven't, I don't want to say have failed because they haven't failed, but coaches who who didn't live up to expectations in other teams going to coach other teams in the NHL. There's other places 
to look. There's the WHL, there's the AHL, there's, you know, all of the Canadian hockey leagues, the Ontario Hockey League. Um, there's other places to look is what I'm getting at. And there's other players who, you know, I've heard, I honestly think Biz would be a really great coach. I love the way that he explains the game. So, you know, there's there's other places for them to, 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 be, to be looking at for coaching positions. Why go with the same people who haven't performed up to par? Right. You know, you even talked about being excited about Laviette, but he might be even a guy that you see if there's not immediate success. He's gone too. That is the volatility of the New York Rangers market. I mean, they just wildly fired um, their president of hockey operations and their GM uh, before Drury took over, just out of nowhere, it seemed. And that's just how volatile uh, James Dolan is as an owner of a team. He's just, he's a whole different story. Right, and I think there's a lot of this desire for success in New York. I remember I put um, a graphic together um, that included, that was about uh, all the Stanley Cup wins for all the NHL teams. And, you know, the Rangers were pretty low considering the other original six teams for uh, Stanley Cup championships. So I think, you know, there's even that stronger desire for success could be like, you know, we've been around such a long time and we haven't quite seen as many championships as the other guys. So we want to see that success. Thanks for the reminder. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm saying that's probably why that mindset is there. That's all. That's the only point I was trying. It to is make. the truth, though. I mean, they've only won four championships as an original six team. They've been around since you know almost a hundred years. 1926, I believe, is when they were established. So to win four championships in a in a century, uh, where you have the Canadians who have won so many. The Maple Leafs, who have won so many, even though not much in more recent years, uh, the Bruins, the, the the Red Wings, you know, you want to see your team perform to a championship caliber, and the Rangers just haven't haven't had that. No, but I I think with the the core they currently have, I think they're um, poised for plenty of success. Uh, and you know, as I say that, I think. People probably thought about that the Rangers before, you know, with Lundqvist being like this elite goaltender, like the sometimes the top goal in the league. He had to compete with Bredore for that title a lot, but there definitely were plenty of times where he was the top goalie in the NHL, and they had a lot of good players go along with that. So you just got to hope that this core isn't going to do that same thing. I hope not. That would be that would be detrimental, especially if you're going to be wasting uh, Igor Shesterkin's best years. I don't want another Henrik Lundqvist situation. I would rather see, you know, I don't know. I don't think it would happen, but I would rather see that player win a cup if, if with someone else, if, if not at all. Right. And you know, it's that, that thing I'm kind of thinking about, like even one, you know, like we had, you had Brodeur who won three and Patrick Waugh who won a couple two. Um, and so it's like, it'd be fine. Just, just one championship for these guys. It'd be great. <laughs> I'm not looking for a dynasty. Just just one no. championship would be nice. Just give me one in my lifetime that I can physically remember because I was five years old in 94 and I do not recall any of that. And I just want to go back to New York, give me a reason to get drunk on Broadway and see the Stanley Cup get hoisted down that street. That would be, that's my dream, man. That's my dream. Yeah, it'd be pretty exciting. I don't think the I'm sorry to be a pessimist, but I don't think the Panthers are gonna pull it off here. Um, but it's been a pretty exciting because I've 
when uh, the camp, the Panthers went on their cup run in 96, I was barely a year old. So it's been pretty exciting to follow them this far. So the thought uh, of thinking, I don't even know how crazy excited I would get if they actually won a cup. And, and especially if they came back this year, I, I can't even imagine. Like, that'd be absolutely insane. I know they came back against Boston, but this is the finals. It's a whole different monster. They had a really rough road to where they are. And regardless of the outcome of the Stanley Cup final, um, whether it be Vegas or whatnot, you know, you got to be proud of where of, of where they're at right now. And it's oh, for sure. Once they won that game seven in Boston, I was happy with where, where the season was going to end because that wasn't supposed to happen. We could have been swept by the Leafs and I would have been excited. <laughs> Maybe. I- How many people said that they were going to get swept by Boston? So many. So many. So I mean, many. as soon as it was 3-1, I mean, even I was like, well, that's okay. You know, we made the playoffs. That was exciting. And then we came back. It was insane. Even getting, you know, to the Stanley Cup final, like I remember in 2014 when 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 I was back in New York, I had I, that was the year I moved. That was uh, the year they lost to the Kings. I remember just being super stoked. And the 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 electric feeling that you had, that the city had, having your team getting that far in the Stanley cup final, everyone was just so hype. So, you know, I, I, I kind of envy that, uh, for anyone who's, who's got their teams this far. Um, because that, that feeling is just like no other man. No, it's been exciting. And like, I've, like I said, I've never got to experience four until this year. So that's been pretty awesome. At least like I, even though if we lose game five, it'll be disappointing. But I think when I think about this season, like, and in the past, it's going to be, Definitely a successful one in, in in Panthers history. Game five's tomorrow, right? Game time tomorrow at eight o'clock. I don't know how much I'm gonna watch because I just I psych myself out so hard. <laughs> well, well, be honest. How many games have you watched thus far in the final? Um, Two, so one. I watched almost all of game one um, up until they made it uh, five two. As soon as they made five two, the game was off. And then with game two, I don't know, just didn't feel they coming out of the gates didn't feel great. Knights scored pretty early, then they scored again. I'm like, that's enough for me. And then um, game three, my dad was at the game, so I felt like um, he 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 had it covered for me. So he was there in person to see the OT win. Um, and then uh, for game four, I was on the road, so I didn't get to watch it, which was fine with me considering the outcome. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a, a bad ending for that for that game. But you know, uh, regardless of of what happens tomorrow, um, whether they extend the series or not, hockey's going to be over before the end of this week. That's crazy, That's sad, and unfortunate. But there's a lot more to be coming up. Um, you know, we've got the draft. We all know who's going number one. Um, we've got you know free agency. I think this offseason is going to be a lot louder than it was last Which year. Which is crazy because last year was it was it was crazy last year. We had the Johnny Gaudreau situation where he's like, I'm not gonna resign in Calgary, he goes to Columbus, which was weird. Then you had the crazy Huberto for Kachuk trade, uh Claude Giroux signing with Ottawa. So it's it's crazy to think that this offseason could be even more big. That would be it, it yeah. We've got a lot of time between now and then. Um, we've got a lot. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about. Um, but yeah, this was the f- first iteration of the Neutral Zone podcast by Freeze the Puck Hockey. My name is Jesse, and this is Brett. And yeah, Brett, this was this was awesome, man. Uh, thanks for thanks for running this with me. I, I appreciate well, it. I was excited to do it, and I, I love talking hockey. So 
I'm always happy to do it. <laughs> Thank you.